0: Where are you? Why aren't you doing a show? You're taking a week off? Oh my god! Hello and welcome to episode number 210 of Grumpy Old Bands for Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America just outside of Chirac where there is snow on the ground, but there's still lead in the air.
1: And from America, I, I thought you were going to say, I thought you, know, I thought you were going to say your name. Oh, no, uh, I didn't. I, uh, uh, do I, do I, no, I, I, say, know, it also, up, I say it well, up front. I could also claim that you said 2022, but you didn't. See, it's always something. And from America's left coast, where employment is optional but commuting is not. I'm Ryan Bemrose.
0: Yeah, it's all a big scam.
1: It is. It's. I. I was going through my my usual places where I encounter tech news. Uh, there's there's about three or four aggregation sites, including Big News, and you can slap me down for that. But I just was digging through headlines. I didn't even. Click into these stories because every one of them reads exactly the same. But uh, layoffs announced just in the last three days. Uh, Alphabet, 12,000. Uh, Vox, 7% of their workforce. Spotify, 6% of their workforce. Uh, Capital One, 1,100 people. Wayfair, a company from Boston I'd never even heard of, laid off 1,700 people. So sucks to be you guys, I guess. Uh, Microsoft, the headline didn't even say how many. They just said thousands and included that uh, the beloved product that nobody remembers called HoloLens is on the chopping block. What the hell is HoloLens? It was Microsoft's augmented reality, virtual reality thing. It was, you remember back when everybody thought Oculus was a thing? Yeah. And then Facebook bought them and everybody's like, oh my gosh, augmented reality is the future. And we're all going to be stumbling around with virtual cartoon characters in our face and walking into things while we're on the street. You know, people thought that was the future briefly because they're idiots. Right. you were going to have
0: like Google glass on it. It would tell you what yeah. the address of the building was like. That's so, not already on most buildings.
1: So Oculus was Facebook's thing. Google glass was Google's thing. And Microsoft looked at this and said, we need to pour money into this technology just in case it becomes a thing, which it didn't. And that was HoloLens was Microsoft's version of it. And I don't see anybody walking around with goggles going. Oh. No, who, who who saw that coming? Nobody, because the people who were really into the tech were busy stumbling into stuff with apparitions on their screen. Yeah, it's basically, it's technology assisted schizophrenia is Augment what the, this technology reality. is.
0: Right. That's exactly what you want to put things in your field of vision that aren't actually there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of people so getting canned, a lot of people getting canned, which which some might take as an indication of the sheer and complete collapse of the economy yeah. that's going on. That it make turns sense. out when an economy collapses, it's not always quick. Sometimes it can be slow and inexorable. And
0: they're betting on this for any company that uh, is doing the, their fiduciary responsibility to their stockholders. The easiest way to cut is to cut payroll. Yeah,
1: that's, well, that's, that's usually
0: the biggest cost area regardless. You know, with uh, Amazon cut a bunch... As we discussed here, I mean, one of the big things was the, the group that was in charge of all these talking tubes that they're like, Hey, turns out we can't figure out how to monetize these things. Yeah, <laughs> Not a surprise. I mean, it's it's there for your convenience, but trying to monetize them is way harder because the shopping experience is still a thousand times better. At least to me, if you have a screen, the only difference would be. If it is something you are constantly... Or- so if you're like ordering your toilet paper from Amazon, and if you are, why? But if you are, then it's easy enough to go, hey, order me some more toilet paper. Or, or open up a web browser. What you could do, and for most things, I want to see the... Pr- if it's something that I have not purchased before, I would want to open up whatever screen it may be to take a look at the different products available, make a decision on which one I want and then buy it. Certainly.
1: Again, one of the biggest innovations that Amazon made, people might not remember this because it was 25 years ago when Amazon became a real thing for online shopping. It It was something that nobody else was really doing. They put a picture of the product that they were selling next to the click for buy button. It was it was genius. It was unheard of. It was something nobody else was doing. Everybody else was like text description. Yes. No, I wanted it all, man. They made a little bit of money doing it. Yeah. But, well, but, they they got big. But not and then the they, talking you know, tubes. Got woke and ended up having lots and lots of people who aren't contributing to the things that make Amazon money because they're like, well, we got a lot of money and we got a lot of people who want to do projects that save the earth. And then suddenly they realized we don't have as much money as we want. And all those people are now gone. They had their, uh,
0: they had their Google moment of, you know, let's not do evil because Amazon through their smile program, which has been around a long time. I mean, I'm guessing it's over 10 years now. I could be wrong,
1: but these not sure what the smile program is, but, and all you have to do, well, it's closing. I, I imagine people have been smiling for more than ten years. Probably. But if you were to put
0: in smile.amazon.com, anything you bought, you could set a charity of your choice, which I did a long time ago. The Negro Leagues Baseball Museum down in Kansas City has been my choice. Yes.
1: According according to their page, it allows you to experience feel-good shopping.
0: Exactly, because a percentage from every order that you make would go to your specified charity. This was, they're giving back concept.
1: Call me materialistic, but the thing that makes me feel good about shopping is acquiring my goods and going home with them. Yes. And I mean, most people, if you would really look at this,
0: you'd go, you know, if the 1% or whatever you're giving to the charity, if you would have just taken it off my purchase, I might've just gone and gave money to the charity for everything I'd saved.
1: But this was that would not allow Amazon to be the middleman and control exactly which causes it goes to.
0: And this was partially their complaint when shutting down was that, well, there are so many good causes that really there wasn't a lot of money going to any one in a major way. So that was a failure. But this is just Amazon's way of saying we can't even afford the half a percent or one percent. I don't even know if it varied or what it was, but it wasn't. It wasn't like five or 10% of your purchase, but there was a small pittance from everything you bought that went to charity and they're closing that down
1: five or 10% of Amazon purchases might be 11,000 jobs.
0: This is true. That could be a lot of, uh, a lot of jobs.
1: I will tell you, I'm looking at the Amazon, the smile.amazon.com site you sent me to. There is a dude there in front of a, a water faucet or something (laughs) <laughs> and he's smiling. He looks that smile is the creepiest thing I've seen all day. He looks like he he was told like there's a dude behind the camera holding a gun on him and saying you smile or else. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to get your picture here, man. If they don't believe it, you're dead.
0: <laughs> they don't believe you. Let's see. I got a guy that's like, okay, there's a very creepy smile. Yes, the water. Yeah. What the hell is that? Is, I don't know,
1: but he... He's either constipated or he's being threatened. And he's like, you know, you need to touch this water or your family will pay the price. And it says that charity is water.
0: Can you can you give money to water? (laughs) Does does water need money? I give water every day. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand. But it says overall they've donated 400 million to U.S. charities. And I thought it was a it was a nice concept. But the fact that they're shutting it down means that we can no longer afford, with the current economic times, yeah, we can no this. longer afford to virtue signal as much as we have been before. Exactly.
1: We just can't do it. There's not enough I was, money left. I, I was about to say we can't afford to be nice, which would have been more charitable. But charitable. But I realized partway through that sentence that no, they've never been nice. They are just trying to make people believe they have virtue and that make well because it's that concept that
0: knowing, even though you know it's a very small percent, people knowing that any part of that purchase is going to charity has a psychological effect. I would guarantee you there are people that are like, well, I really don't need this $20,000 watch, but uh, they're going to give like 36 cents to charity, so I'm in.
1: So... Amidst all of the layoffs and impending economic collapse, does that seem like a weird time to have a a worker revolution? I think it makes perfect sense. Although the workers are finally
0: going to get burned because how many stories do we get? What percentage of people decided over the last few years, once the pandemic began, especially the thing that became very popular was if you wanted to raise you went and found another company that would pay you more than your current company and you jump ship. And now a lot of those companies are shutting down or firing you. Oops.
1: Yeah. Well, oops, that's always the risk. And you know, people who get burned become less risk averse and people who get greedy become more risk taking. And I I feel like this is the kind of thing. This is the way that employment has worked for the last hundred years. And that's perfectly normal. The, uh, all the, your, your mention of Amazon did bring me in light of uh, a story that said uh, the first Amazon workers strike is kicked off and it became really big news because, you know, workers of the world unite. And of course, the all the articles have the hammer and sickle. So I icon right. This was uh, like what the UK. But yeah, in the UK, a bunch of Amazon workers got together and said, we're not. You know, the Amazon treats the robots better than it treats us. And I'm like, yeah, so well, Amazon spends more money on the robots than yes. it spends on you. Too. They own the robots, baby. <laughs> they built yeah, them. The, the robots are are legally slaves. You guys are just de facto slaves.
0: Your employees that have accepted the amount of money they offered.
1: Yeah, they theoretically, and this is something a lot of people don't ever seem to get when they talk about, you know, about the the right of employment is. Working is a voluntary thing. If, if it's not voluntary, it's called slavery. So theoretically, you and the company both voluntarily agreed that you should be performing tasks in exchange for money for the company. And as soon as that agreement doesn't make sense, it's time to go do something else. You, you're not. Nobody is entitled to be employed in the same job forever, and that it it blows my mind how many people miss that point well then there's a lot of people that get for their
0: particular job they get a contract and they may negotiate the contract today and a year later the economy's booming everything's great the company's hiring people for more money and then those people are crying and bitching that they deserve more money than everybody else is getting yeah. And they but totally if ignore, you negotiated.
1: Right. If you negotiated a contract. You're stuck in it until the term expires and they then totally, you can renegotiate.
0: Right. And they totally
1: ignore the other way, which is, well, you negotiated if, the contract. If the economy tanks.
0: Right. right. <laughs> now, the the company, if, if the company came back to them and was like, well, we're going to need to pay you
1: less. Oh, I got a contract. Yeah. Well, they're not ignoring that. They're, you know, if people who are have the benefit of being in that position are, uh, smiling and keeping their heads down. Yeah. Everybody wants it. They're smiling and putting their hands in a water
0: faucet. Yeah. And then smiling in a very weird way. And that maybe that they figured they'd creep so many people out. They would run from Amazon smile and nobody would notice when they're shutting it down. Yeah. Maybe it's an oddity.
1: No, the worker revolution I was talking about was, uh, I read an article in fortune, um, about worker, Uh, How workers are spending their time when they don't have to commute. Ah, yes, because a lot of people working from home. A lot of people want to stay working from home, which is is building an interesting divide between workers who, believe it or not, would like to spend time with their families. Right. And CEOs who, for the most part, are saying, you know, you slaves will be in the office when I tell you to and fuck the rest of your life. You know, there is also a concept of just moving closer to where you work. No, not really. Uh, I had when I was in working in Redmond, I had a 34 mile commute, which if I was trying to be there at normal office hours, now every manager that I had, and this was always a source of friction, and I probably got passed up for some raises because I was pissed, you know, not doing what my manager said every manager I had had to put up with the fact that I was trying to come in at 10 or 1030 in the morning. And then I was working till 7 p.m. Why? Because if I want to work eight to five or whatever it is that they think that I should be working, I'm on the road at rush hour. And those 34 miles between my house and where I worked was an hour and 45 minutes each way. No, thank you. the, The result, by the way, and this I stopped driving my car to work for a while for several years. I took public transit, which was more like a two and a half hour commute, but it had the advantage that I wasn't driving, which meant that even though I had wasted up to five hours of my time every single day, just so that my manager could see my angry face in the office. Right. (laughs) When I was behind the wheel, With all of the assholes and road ragers and everything else, and I was definitely one of the road ragers, the freeway turned me into that. I was showing up at work pissed off every day. And that's not great for productivity either. So at least taking public transit, I could show up, you know, I could like pull my laptop out, maybe get my email out of the way while I'm on the bus, or because of course it's Seattle, all buses have had Wi-Fi for 25 years. But not commuting would have helped my mood immensely. It was, it was, yeah, okay, I was in the office at the time, and then for the first two hours, I had to calm down. Well, that's not useful productivity <laughs> either. But that's pretty much what workers are going through now. Uh, according to the National Bureau of Economic Research, the average remote worker, in, and this is across all of the U.S., and I guarantee you Seattle is far, far worse than this, the average remote worker saves 72 minutes a day by not commuting. I believe that easily. And they published a survey that suggested, you know, how people are saying that they spend that time. Here's something that a lot of people probably don't acknowledge. 40% of that extra time is used for more work. People are, in fact, working longer when they don't have to commute. Now, the that rest would be is, the question for me.
0: Because once you're, to me, the commute is a part of it, but the bigger thing is that whole work day and what you're actually getting accomplished. And if you have the right personality to be somebody that, even though somebody's not looking over your shoulder all day long, that you're getting the work done, which I think is, I mean, they may say they're working more, but it's like, who are they more getting more done? That would be the question. Are they actually more efficient? And I don't know. Uh, how you would figure
1: that one out. I guess you could, uh, you, well, could the, you could, but the, the type of managers and CEOs who live their lives on metrics have been pulling their hair out for a few years now, trying to figure out how do we measure productivity? If I can't knock on this guy's office door and interrupt him every hour. Right. You got to see what's going on, which by the way, again, I'm, I'm coming from a coding background, but when you're programming, there are some very, very hard concepts that you have to juggle in your head all over the place and as any programmer knows this is probably true of authors and a few other professions if you are deep into planning out what you're going to do you have your entire brain filled with data structures and connections and uh, ideas and and somebody just so much as stepping up and knocking on your door causes your entire mental cathedral to crash and costs you 15 to 20 minutes of productivity while you build up what you're thinking about right
0: you're rebooting that whole thing once yeah, it's uh, I,
1: just and all that takes is somebody knocking on the door so the flighty manager in the software these managers don't tend to stick around long because people are starting to realize what a horrible thing it is but the managers who do come knock on your door for no apparent reason it, this is actually really horrible for productivity and at least when you're working remotely, you can shut off Zoom and be like, I will check in in four hours. But meanwhile, I have a module to write. And every job
0: now, is different. I mean, there—that that is the yes. whole thing. And if it is something that if you're going into the office, but you are doing a job on your own and you don't really interact with anybody else, then yes, this makes a lot of sense.
1: Now, right. if you're working remotely in a job where you take calls all day right. or or anything where you know there's there's a a concept of of certain jobs that that every interaction is brand new and the only thing you carry across interaction is yourself and your skills uh it, doing uh tech support is is one such job uh answering the phone things like that where every time you hang up the phone you are complete you're done uh your interaction is done Programming is definitely not like that. Programming, everything that you work on and everything you build on will last three weeks up to, you know, twelve months. Of I thought about this back in last September and I have to know it now. If if you are the kind of person who is doing uh, you know, one phone call at a time, somebody pounding on your door might just interrupt one phone call and cause you to screw that up, but then you pick it up later. I right? I don't know where I was going with that. So
0: well, this whole concept is uh is intriguing like oh your life will be much better this is also the same people that push for the four-day work week you know i mean there's a or, lot or of, less yes we, we can we only work two days
1: a week that would be great or we we can we only work maybe you know one hour a week on wednesdays from 11 to one that would be perfect and then if we could get a raise for
0: doing that as well yeah we'll get to great. the donation segment later i mean i know i I've done it all. I've worked close to home. I've worked an hour plus away. It is no fun, especially when the weather turns on you. My uh, wife just took a new job recently that instead of being 45 minutes away is uh, under five minutes away. And yes. that is definitely a, a, a big difference. I mean, you've, you know, she's like, I get a lot more time. It's you're home so much earlier. And you, there is no, there is no stress of driving which you're absolutely right when you said it's it's one of those things that by the time you got to work or i'm assuming by the time you got home
1: you were not a happy camper and, and i can tell you from experience in fact that the people who either were at the company long enough to have been able to get in before housing prices became insane or were high enough placed in the company to be paid enough to be able to buy a house in redmond five minutes from work did not appreciate the cost, the the effect on people that a long commute has. They just didn't have the concept. They didn't understand. You know, I got in after housing prices in Redmond were already, you know, you needed a half a million dollars for a one-bedroom bungalow right. within 10 minutes. Of, and it, they, I mean, yeah, I made enough money to buy a house, but not enough money to buy a house in Redmond. So... So that's why I that was the initial reason that I ended up moving really far away was I the house I wanted for the family I wanted was not going to be an option anywhere near work. And CEOs tend to be the kind of people who can afford to get a condo or a house right next to campus. And they don't seem to understand or care that, oh, boy, we're not paying people enough to live in the area where we put our offices and they're all coming to work pissed off and stressed out before they've done a single lick of work and they well yeah and if you're a the coder CEOs i always look at the i just don't understand why
0: it wouldn't be well hey you're you're supposed to put in your 40 or 50 hours of coding time a
1: week when you want to do it should kind of be up to you well when you are most efficient is it varies from coder to coder and is almost never eight to five right you know coders Anybody who's really been into coding, for example, knows that moment when you're almost asleep and suddenly you have an epiphany about the project you're working on and your brain is suddenly going a thousand miles an hour because that cathedral is building itself in your brain. And you're like, I got to get this written down and you get up out of bed, go log in remotely if you can, or if not, you just try to organize your thought like that moment when you're like, I'm not going to get any sleep because I just realized how I'm going to get this messaging pipeline working without the lockup or whatever it is you're thinking about. I mean, that there, there should
0: be some kind of leeway for it. Now, if you're flipping burgers at Stucky's, well, then you gotta be there when you're supposed to be there.
1: Yes. And that's why I I said, there are absolutely jobs that don't lend themselves to, well, first of all, jobs that, that you can uh, go, you can engage your brain whenever, because it doesn't take that much brain power jobs where the time that the work is needed is absolutely when, you know, if, if you're working in Amazon warehouse, if you're flipping burgers, if you're answering phone calls, it doesn't do you any good to answer phone calls when nobody's calling.
0: Right. That's a little less, uh little less convenient for your employer as well.
1: And, and if you flip burgers in the middle of the night and the place doesn't open for eight hours, the burgers are going to be a little stale.
0: You're like, I would love to answer phones between midnight and 8 a.m. when nobody ever calls.
1: So. For this story, I did pull one alternate position or a a quote from the other side. Uh, James Gorman, the CEO of Fortune, who was doing a, a Bloomberg interview in Davos, says, our employees, they don't get to choose their compensation. They don't get to choose their promotion. They don't get to choose to stay home five days a week. I want them with other employees for at least three or four days. And let them eat cake. Although he didn't say that last part. I just added. it. But see, this makes sense if you need
0: to be able to keep an eye on the employees to know whether or not they're doing the work. And I'm not sure how that really works. It's so highly dependent on what job you're doing. Right. Because there's some that it's like, well, you don't necessarily look like you've done a lot of work. If you're a coder and it's a complex problem and a lot of this is just thinking time like, well, how am I going to get around this? How am I going to do this? It doesn't necessarily equate to the most code written is going to show that you've done the most work because then you could well, just have co- really shitty code too.
1: Co- yeah, coding actually defies metrics. Every single metric that you try to measure for whether or not a, a an employee is being productive, like the only thing that even comes close is I assigned a project end-to-end three months ago Was it done in three months or five months or two? that's the only metric that makes any sense. Trying to try for example, any metric, any metric, no matter what the profession is, any metric, any time that you say I am measuring this, then people are going to optimize for that metric and not for the job you want done. Oh yeah, it's you know if if you say uh, you know if you give a call center person I want I want you to be on the phone for at most fourteen minutes, and people are going to hang up on the. Christ. on the customer at 13 minutes and 50 seconds yes i'd like to help you but click yeah uh it in and coding like if you say lines of code well that's not actually what you need what you want is is Efficiency. you could say lines of code that are bug Elegance. free because yes but but then people are going to like okay if if i'm paid by line of code then i'm never going to code in anything succinct like Perl or uh uh ruby or python or anything no i'm gonna write everything in old school c unless i can get away with writing an asm file why because counting the length of a string takes 600 lines of code great Uh i just got paid a lot i just won yes i mean i get it it is uh because what what do you actually want what you want is completed software products that are not buggy but how the hell do you measure that on anything less than a few months scale
0: Right. Well, for somebody that doesn't know what they're doing, they can't look at it and know who did a better job. You know, you actually need somebody that is an expert to be able to look and go, well, this wasn't done in the most efficient way. This guy did it much better. Uh, But, you know, a lot of people getting fired now. So, I mean, at least the cream maybe will rise to the top.
1: I don't know. Well, I mean, in theory, that's that's what capitalism is supposed to be about. It, it it only works if you can fire people and not if if there are laws in place that say, I'm sorry, this person has a job and they are entitled to keep their job forever. But uh, that's France uh, or Europe.
0: And there are a lot know. of tech I, jobs going away.
1: That, ultimately, that's the bottom the, line here, the, the tension about remote working is that CEOs seem to think that remote workers are lazy and some and are some of them are that's the problem
0: and really the problem i think becomes the way that they want to monitor this then becomes a huge privacy problem
1: oh yes <laughs> and yeah. and if i may drop back into programming uh, those are absolutely the wrong people that you want to install spyware to monitor them
0: yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i no i don't want to Memorose is like, oh, you, you you need a spy camera? Here, let me yeah. put this in the toilet. Oh, for you. you want
1: to install this app? Well, here, let me give you a virtual machine that'll run but doesn't have access to anything but but a virtual feed. You gotta know who you're dealing with. Yeah. And oh, one other thing about the National Bureau of Economic Research's stats. Uh, they said uh they said, by the way, 40% of their time is used for extra work, which is a surprising thing, something a lot of CEOs don't account for. The other, the rest of it is split up between leisure, family and more sleep, which okay. I would say <laughs> gives a much more difficult to measure bonus to act to productivity. Uh, you know, so it's the, interesting because if it depends on
0: what, if you get bonuses for getting stuff done on time, being able to save, you know, say it's two hours plus a day in a commute, I could see a lot of people putting some of that time into getting work done.
1: It's almost impossible to take this information and reason about any particular job because jobs are so different. Incentive structures are so different. Everybody has their own situation. I don't necessarily envy the managers who are given the task to measure the productivity of their workers. I'm just saying that the blanket, no, if you're at home, you can't get things done. You're not productive is absolutely wrong. You know? That 40% might mean that the, you know, a worker spends 40% or increases the amount of time that they're, you know, working by 40% of their commute. Or it might mean that 40% of your workers are dedicating more time and the others are slacking off as soon as they log out of Zoom. And if that's the case, then your job, which, by the way, this is why management gets paid the big bucks and I have no sympathy for them. Your job is to figure out which 40% are being more productive and which 40% need to be right. on the chopping block with that 12,000
0: fired. And I think a lot would depend on the environment being if you live alone, you could probably get a lot of work done. Now, if you got three dogs, a cat, a wife, and uh, 14 kids,
1: your day's probably going to be a little more wrecked
0: than uh, well. Well,
1: I, I would argue dogs and cats can be ignored or shut into another room. Uh, wives can be either reasoned with or threatened <laughs> to stay away. Kids are the big distraction. They're the, they actually came up with, uh, they didn't give a stat, but they said that, uh, people who are home working remotely with kids in the house are far less productive than people who don't.
0: Yes. And it's a question of even if people realize how much they're being sidetracked throughout the day, you know, it's, uh, It is an interesting thing. I understand why as somebody running a business, you would want the people to show up and sit in their cubicle.
1: But I also understand. Because you can can knock on the door and be like, are you being productive? Are you being productive? Are you being productive? Well, you can monitor everything. That's the (laughs) beauty of it. You don't even
0: have to knock on the door. You know, when they're in their office, of course they could be sleeping. So that's why I guess you have to knock on the door every now and then. I'm not going
1: to admit to having done that, (laughs) but it happened. You're doing a George
0: Costanza. Got a little up. desk with a uh, sleeping bag underneath.
1: No, no, I, I well, I had a I had a solo office at at the evil corporation and uh, everybody had so almost everybody except the very newest people would be doubled up. But I, I was there long enough to have my own office and you just sit there and close the blinds, shut the door. People know generally not to knock on doors without asking. Send an email first and then just pull out a blanket, lay down on the floor and get a 40 minute nap. Hey, if you're working hard, that's okay. And if you just spent two and a half hours, you could have been sleeping on a damn bus because they want you in the office instead of working remotely. Yeah. And you don't want to sleep on a city bus in Seattle. No, you don't <laughs> want to sleep on a city bus regardless. But it, no. yeah, 15 years ago when I was doing this, the buses were a little less sketch than they are today. Nowadays you have to like hold, Underneath your coat, you need to be clutching your pistol at all times.
0: Yeah. Well, I saw that if so many uh, homeless people have died now of fentanyl in Seattle that they're running out of beds in the morgue. That's got to be nice. (laughs) Don't worry. They'll probably just allocate some homeless shelters for morgues. Yeah. You're like, what the hell is wrong with you people? Oh, liberal policies. That's right.
1: Oh, and the last statistic uh, that they pulled up was of the extra time that people who aren't commuting, dedicate their commute time to work. Men allocate more of that extra time than women do to working for the company. Oh,
0: so they're Suck saying that men, gender gap.
1: men are harder uh, workers. Is that what we're saying here? Well, I I didn't actually say that. But what I said was of the time people save by not commuting, men are allocating more of it to women. Although the difference is only 5%. So Yeah, that's not a lot. Not a lot. I just had to say, suck at gender gap, and get my sexist moment in. Yeah, this is the case stuff people worry everybody about. whining about the the seventy seven cents number or whatever it is, where like, oh well, women automatically get paid less. Well, I wonder if any of it has to do with the fact that statistically women don't do as much work.
0: It's possible,
1: or they don't have the same skill level when it comes to some tech and, jobs. And again, let's go back to what I said, where it's almost impossible to take these statistics and apply them to any individual because everybody is so different work situations are so different right
0: incentive structures are so different yeah so trying to put anything in any box and saying well this is gospel is very hard to do
1: the the number the number difference of whether or not you have children in the house was significantly more than whether or not you're male or female yeah that would make sense it does but that's we again can we just go along the
0: lines of using good old-fashioned common sense No. No, I
1: was this, gonna say, because it's not common. It never has been. No, I mean,
0: you know, hey, the fact that people just don't understand the world around them. One of the big stories that I pulled was seemingly everywhere that, you know, oh, the United States suing Google because they're too dominant over the online ad market. And I'm like, again, I don't understand um, the concept. Yes.
1: They may be. It, it, they they have been uh ever since like 2005 when they bought double click in 2008 they were already being dominant and double click was the that double click was synonymous with online ads back in the day
0: yes I mean not the, so they, much now, was but not up, yeah they were not originally the big bad leaders not, in this
1: no they they became the big bad leader when they bought double click which was the big bad leader and that kind of put them into first place and they've never looked back. I'm just saying that, that you remember it was, it was on this show, a previous iteration of it when we talked to, uh, Sir Carl, who at the time had been in marketing and had a lot to rant about the Google monopoly. I'm just saying that, that four generations of ad companies have had time to be born, flourish and die on the shores of the Google monopoly in the time that it took the DOJ to put this case together. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, that's true. The article on uh, bleeping computer notes in October 2020, the DOJ sued Google for violating antitrust laws, and they asked the company to, quote, restore competition and search and search advertising markets End quote. Like, what
1: do you mean? When you <laughs> Restore competition. Yes. So you, what you mean is is shut down and. Yes. Go against your fiduciary responsibility to make money for the shareholders? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Can you give your
0: competitors a yeah. bunch of traffic is what can, they're asking can for. Can you
1: can you give up all of this
0: revenue for no reason whatsoever, please? And you should you have to fix it because you're too good at what you do. Yeah. It makes no sense in a capitalistic society. It makes no sense. And as much as I hate big tech in a whole lot of areas, when one company just becomes dominant because they're better at what they do. And if you go look just at the search capability, what percentage of people are using Google as opposed to using Bing and then whatever else falls down after that? I don't know how you go, well, let's move everybody. They don't search with Google, use this instead. We're going to force you to do this because, you know, why? Or maybe they want Google to go, hey, I'm just going to reroute traffic from Google to the other search engines
1: the the phenomenon you're describing is is one of the few valid criticisms of capitalism. It is that if if one person becomes good enough that they can capture the whole market, it forms a monopoly. And then the incentives become perverse because the moment you have a monopoly, then the incentives are no longer serving the general society, the economy, the incentives when there are when there's no competition, the incentives serve the monopolist. They can raise prices at will and effectively screw with the supply and demand curve in ways that not only don't don't improve in things like capitalism is supposed to, it is the reason why even a lot of people who identify as libertarians will begrudgingly say, Yeah, we need to have some mechanism to try to prevent monopolies from forming. And I don't think anyone can disagree that Google managed to form a monopoly here. Yeah.
0: I'm looking Although, here at a stat counter percentage of market share Google as of December 2022. Google had a ninety two point five eight percent
1: market share,
0: according to StatCounter. Don't know how they determine well, this. The
1: the way that you lie with statistics in places like that is to uh, arbitrarily decide what the market is. Possibly, you know, like it'd be like a stat. I could argue that Google has a monopoly in Android operating systems. On the Android platform, Google has a stunning, huge amount. Of the total installs of all Android phones, and it's just how do you decide your market?
0: Yes, and if this but, if
1: this is true, that means ninety two percent Google,
0: three percent Bing, one and a quarter percent Yahoo, and one half a percent DuckDuckGo. Okay. So when you I come mean, in and go, hey, I'm not Google. that surprised. No, I'm not either. But when you come in and say, well, this gives Google an unfair advantage in the advertising space. Yeah, well of course it does, but what's the answer? Because people are well, using Google. It's not like uh they have much of a of a formula to send business
1: elsewhere. Well, the the US Department of Justice thinks the answer is to sue them in the Eastern District of Virginia federal court uh-huh. to I, I don't know what remedies they're proposing. The the suit has only been filed and I didn't read it. But the I mean, what is the solution? There are a lot of people even going way back to the, the antitrust stuff of 140 years ago, where in, during the Industrial Revolution, where people are saying, well, capitalism falls down when a monopoly forms, and therefore we should use government to crush monopolies. And that is that is like using a, a flamethrower to to cut to prune a few stray branches. But I, I mean, what other tools do you have? I don't know. Lawsuit, I, did pull, I did pull a fun quote out of the TechCrunch article. Uh said, Google owns the ad platform, the ad exchange, and the network. The analogy would be if Goldman or Citibank owned New York Stock Exchange.
0: Can we sell that to them? That'd be okay.
1: <laughs> the I, uh, the lawsuit
0: reads, quote, competition in the ad tech space is broken for reasons that were neither accidental nor inevitable. So you mean Google was good at their job? As much as you hate Google, you have to admit. They're really good at their jobs. I
1: don't, I, I will not admit that Google did this on their own.
0: Who helped? Um, I mean, they well, bought other companies. They were smart enough to buy the companies they needed. They're obviously the number one in search because 93% of the world is using them to search. It's like, that's not even close. It's not even like, well, there's somebody that's coming up. It's like, no, tuck tuck go a half a percent. Well,
1: Search is is a difficult one, and I kind of agree with you. But the the ad space, for example, started out with uh, enough regulations that Google was able to navigate, but new it's much more difficult. Um, when when the de facto online marketplace for ad selling became the Google system, a Google owned system, and they had. Engineers in the back end, twiddling the database, putting Google products ahead of everybody else's then I don't think that that is is honest i don't it's not honest capitalism it's not it's not competition it is it is we are the ones who have the access to f- stick our finger on the database it is it is the Secretary of State of Arizona. Somehow declaring and certifying an election in which she got a hundred thousand fraudulent ballots from the same county and going, yeah, these are fine because I won and there's no other reason why I, you know, we would ever look at it again unless the somehow I didn't win. And then we'd throw out all the ballots. Yeah. They did throw out a lot of ballots in Arizona. (laughs) No, they, they, they counted a lot of ballots in Arizona that should have been thrown out.
0: What well, was both because there was something about the percentage that was like yeah. well over 50% in some areas where the ballots were rejected and how they ignored that there were no signatures and all that but uh
1: I don't I don't I think that there's any honest person who can say that there was a fair or or honest election in Maricopa County. Now, with but it didn't Google matter thing. because the person running the election happened to be the one who won the governorship. So, I mean, It's not like they're ever going to revisit that. Let's go back to a time that you remember.
0: (laughs) And I remember when Yahoo, I believe was the number one search. Did you just call me a Yahoo? A Yahoo. Yes. Remember when Yahoo was like the number one search engine Yes. when Google was nothing. So all of these people that are like, well, nobody can compete
1: with Google. It's like, but they can't remember when Alta Vista controlled everything search.
0: Yes, I do. And Asta La Vista went for the uh, other stuff that maybe was less legit.
1: Yes. And I, I w- the, the, you mean the kind of stuff I actually wanted to say. Right.
0: Before. Right. But if you remember that, you know, so anybody now that's like, well, Google's too big, nobody can compete. It's like, I disagree. If somebody, and I do think Google is worried about all of this chat GPT and all of the AI stuff because that could be yes, they are. a change. And somebody that could come out with, a way to search that gives more human type responses rather than nothing but a list of links could put Google out of business. So the concept, or maybe not out of business, but it could take them down a lot of pegs that saying that nobody could compete with Google, I think is complete and utter bullshit.
1: They are, well, there are companies you, you that can to, compete, but you would, there's, there's a couple ways to compete with Google. One is you can whine and try to get government to, harm them. Right, take them out. Or 2 is you can create a better product. Now which of those sounds easier? Going to the government and saying,
0: "Shut them down, shut them down. <laughs> They're too big. They're way too big." But you there's no question people can compete and the fact that Google is such a behemoth is because of the fact that they did from a capitalistic uh viewpoint, they did everything right and grew to the point of being massive, where they, they, there's nobody else even close in their same
1: space they they grew to the point where they stopped being capitalists and became communists instead, yeah, because well, nobody is touching them at this point, yeah, because they never had any incentive to exactly you know until the entire economy started tanking, and then they're like, actually we don't need a hundred thousand communists here in Mountain View.
0: We can get rid of a lot of those people because AI is going to replace them anyway, right. That was another article, which I pulled for last week. We ended up kind of talking about just one topic last week. It was like old, old, grumpy old Ben. It was a big topic. Yes, it was. But there was one. This came from a senior reporter at uh, Yahoo Finance who speculates that 90% of online content could be generated by AI
1: by 2025. Can you imagine this? Well, yeah, but 90% of online content isn't worth paying attention to. That's true. So it could be generated by dev slash random.
0: That's true. This concept is interesting, though. Yes. Like, what are
1: we going to do? No, I understand. I'm just saying, is that before or after accounting for Sturgeon's Law? Yeah,
0: if you get rid of all the crap that's worthless, then it might be a lot lower. But I have a really uh, bad feeling that a lot of hard drive and cloud space, which is just hard drive space and somebody else's computer is going to be filled. By crap that AI is spewing out. So at least nothing's changing. True. It's just going to be more automated, I guess.
1: I guess. We've we've come up with an even more automated way to fill up people's hard drives. Uh-huh. That
0: it's just going to be a, an AI that just keeps writing stuff and putting it out there.
1: You well, know that's this, okay, because the exponential growth in silicon will go ahead and continue indefinitely. We know that, right? It would. Moore's would, Law.
0: Right. I think that's finally slowed down now, isn't it?
1: Uh, well, this whole chip shortage thing is, is evidence of that. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's kind of throwing things into a little bit of a tizzy,
1: but it's an interesting concept oh, to me. Wait a minute. You know, I just had a thought. Uh, what Why? if the chip shortage get, it's something that happens while you're talking. Oh, okay. Cause I'm not listening to you. I need to do something with my brain.
0: That makes sense.
1: What, what if the chip shortage gets so bad that, Dudes named Ben actually have to go in and start deleting files because hard drives get expensive.
0: No, that
1: how would be horrible. Would that be? They keep getting cheaper. <laughs> I keep adding more been storage. For years.
0: I don't even know how much storage I have here anymore. In, in, in a terabytes. Uh, it's a lot.
1: I Now, admittedly, I'm not downloading things like, you know, the entire catalog of, of Netflix or something like that but you could not try. Really it. It's not worth it. There's the, most of the catalog of Netflix isn't worth watching. No, because it's mostly but garbage. It may be, it I may be written by an AI. I, I, I don't tend to participate very often. Not that I'm above it. I just don't tend to participate in the pirating of video or anything, which is uh, probably the big place where I could lose some hard drive. Yes. It was years and years ago. I think I came to the realization. I like, I have enough hard drive space. I think I have maybe four terabytes of storage between here and my server in the basement. And that's and enough. I, I I don't fill it. I You're mean, what am I going to fill it with? I, I, I don't know.
0: I have, uh, I have a lot. I don't just doubt it a lot. I mean, just connected to this machine itself. I do have a, uh, I have a Drobo which has uh 5 6 terabyte drives. Now that's not all <laughs> available storage because of course there's the the redundancy factor. Uh-huh. But that's like 30 terabytes. Um so I mean figure that maybe with the redundancy maybe 24 terabytes or so. The machine itself has a uh a one terabyte drive. So that's small, but then there's another two terabyte drive in it and another nine terabyte external, another three terabyte external. And then there's three different NAS systems down in the basement that, uh, that they, well, there's a lot. I mean, I probably, if it was if to add it all up, probably over a hundred terabytes. So I've got a little more than your four. That, that would be more. Yes, it would definitely be more. And TV. The television series add up. You can download a lot of music for what you can download. So, a, so a television what you're saying series. is
1: that you're mirroring the Internet Archive.
0: Right. So in case it goes down and
1: it has. Or censors or a, a documentary made by the BBC.
0: Right. Oh, you wait, want, that was a different story. Yeah, but it's all in the same vein. And I, there, there have been times where Comcast went down and I just go and I turn on my television and my raspberry Pi that runs Cody and I watch whatever I want because it's not coming from the internet.
1: Yes, actually, actually watching. It is a lost art to stream video from your hard drive rather than the internet. And, and especially a from a hard drive seem,
0: elsewhere in your house.
1: Yeah. A lot of people don't seem to understand that it is theoretically possible to watch a video without either, you know, having you know, if if you're not blessed by living in somewhere with gigabit all the time, every once in a while, like watching a video, you might, I don't know, have a loading screen or stuttering or bandwidth problems or sites being down. and And, you know, we never had that problem back when we were streaming locally. Exactly. Yeah. It's just
0: there. It's like magic. I don't know how people don't have that
1: real quick the uh internet archive has at uh, uh, we're not exactly certain why but we think at the request of the indian government uh censored uh a documentary called the modi question from the bbc which oh, was yes. uh I, I don't know if you're familiar with the prime minister of india narendra modi um but he's well the the documentary makes him out to be a run-of-the-mill authoritarian tyrant who has done really awful things and yet somehow stayed in power by corruption and, and gra- grift, graft. As one uh, is want to do. And, and, and stop me when this sounds like every other na- national leader these days. But, uh, in particular, it blamed him for the 2002 Gu- Gujarat, Gujarat riots. Not sure how to pronounce that. Um, and the Indian government took exception and said, that's not the official story, which duh, it's a documentary. Of course, it's challenging the official story. Um, but uh, apparently they they have decided that uh, not only are they blocking the BBC page that has the documentary, so you can't stream that anywhere in India, at least not on their official ISPs, but now the Internet Archive has removed the documentary because too many people in India were using it. And uh, the Indian government says that it is anti-India garbage. The BBC stands by the documentary. You know the rest of the story It could be
0: both. I mean, that's the whole thing about information being free
1: is you get to decide. Yeah. How weird would it be to let people decide for themselves if it has any merit?
0: Yes. You get to watch it. You decide whether or not the case being made seems to be legit. And if it does, then maybe you believe something that the government doesn't want you to. Ooh. So yeah, scary. How,
1: how, well, that unfortunately, if you're an authoritarian government, then that's not an acceptable practice. Now, Believing the question is, the government doesn't want you to.
0: Will any AI ever write anything a government doesn't like? I'm certain it's already happened. <laughs> but that would be shut down immediately. Governments are fickle. That's true. That's true. They can so, change what they want to see very quickly.
1: So, you know, BBC. It's, OK, maybe not the BBC. It's, it's a little weird that they would actually prove participate in anything that that a government doesn't like these days i they're maybe not as bought and sold as i thought they were but people saying anti-government things and governments being authoritarian and trying to shut them down honestly not really news the thing that i took out of this is the uh, uh, an organization called the internet archive is not much of an archive if they censor things sorry it this feels like a wrong name this feels like if you call yourself the Internet Archive and yet you only archive things that people, you know, the propaganda people want. Right. You don't deserve that name. No, I would agree.
0: Which is why, again, you can't trust any of this stuff.
1: Yeah. You have now, to know there they are might, bias. They might be reacting to an Internet block uh, from five years ago, six years ago, where India did block the Internet Archive completely in 2017 for another bit of free speech that the government didn't like. And maybe they don't want to get blocked again, so they're self censoring. I still think it's wrong. though. Yeah, which I can, I get
0: it because they're you know, and when the at the uh, when it all comes down to it, they're trying to just make money. That's they're there. They're not there to not make any money. I'm guessing, even though they're the archive, they're not. Or, or am I wrong? Are they the a, ar- uh,
1: archive in name only? You I don't yeah, know. I a- don't actually know about the organization behind the Internet Archive. Yeah, whether it's Uh, it's,
0: for profit or not.
1: Yeah. It's not the Wayback Machine, which actually is nonprofit and trying to archive the whole internet and generally doing a pretty good job of it.
0: Yeah, although some of that you come across websites that have been scrubbed. So I don't know. uh, Yeah. It's again one of those things to where revisionist history. Yes. Well, very much revisionist history because we can't have truth. We can't have what people said because it might have been wrong at the time. So what people were saying in the. Fifties and sixties and seventies was so racist we can't even keep a record of it now.
1: Yeah, it would it would be terrible if people actually understood how their ideas had failed so horribly in the past. I'm still waiting for the new ice age that's coming. Oh, it, in again, you know, if you are an authoritarian, one of the first things you have to do is control the information people have access to. And if you can do that, you can stay in power for a very long time because people will never know anything other than your authoritarian rule. Right. Your story sticks. Freedom of information is the most powerful and worst enemy to authoritarian regimes anywhere. And with that said, it could
0: all be lies. You don't know.
1: I'm certain that 90% of it is, again,
0: apply Sturgeon's law. Uh And this is why people should be taught how to be or how to think for themselves.
1: But the moment that somebody decides whether or not you're able to make that decision for yourself, then you're not a free thinker anymore. You're a slave to somebody who's spoon feeding you propaganda. I like propaganda. Uh, Yeah. But do you want it spoon fed? I prefer to use a fork.
0: I like to use a blender and a big straw.
1: Yeah. And maybe a sharp knife, shiv (laughs) and shiv feeding feeding propaganda if you add enough
0: alcohol to it it's delightful <laughs> it is absolutely delightful i'm sure you're excited that uh ios 16.3 has arrived
1: Woo! oh and i'm thrilled in fact uh let me go upgrade all my phones to that immediate no
0: exactly go out and do that i'll wait okay were well, you done with that by now i'm guessing yes,
1: yes. All of i've your- done all the upgrading i'm gonna do thank you
0: all of your apple devices have been updated every one of them Now now I'm really because I've got, although my Apple laptop hasn't been updated in like 10 years because Apple, a bunch of dicks who don't like to continue to support machines from uh, X amount of years ago. But I do now have an iPhone. I have an iPad and an Apple watch. So uh, I've bought into the Apple ecosystem.
1: Yeah, you're you're apparently even sending all of your private health data to them now. I keep
0: trying, man. Keep, I heard that. Keep sending. Although I saw somebody actually posted their ECG on No Agenda Social the other day, which I thought was interesting. But I mean, this, is, I guess, data wants to be free. And the nice thing about the update that Apple's making here in 16.3 is that they are finally, and this is really the only thing I thought was newsworthy, they're finally adding the ability to use the Yuba key, which how long has these things oh. been out? Well,
1: it's, it's a while. It, people are slow to adopt other people's standards. Yes. Especially when you're in the business of making your own. So you can now finally
0: use a Yuba key to keep your I account, whatever Apple calls it, iCloud account, I'm guessing uh, safe. I don't really use that. I should look. I'm sure I have an account. Because I have an Apple device. So I think it exists well, by magic.
1: Have you ever submitted anything to Apple Podcasts? Then you do.
0: Yeah, well, we're on Apple Podcasts, man. They love us. They love us in yeah. Apple.
1: Somebody I- asked me, how come Angry Tech News isn't available in Apple Podcasts? I'm like, because I'm not going to create an Apple account.
0: <laughs> this is a good enough reason. <laughs> it's a good enough reason. I have one. So I uploaded all of our shows there. So we are on Apple Podcasts, but people, you shouldn't be using the straight out apple podcasting app anymore no, there are other no, alternatives you should be using a
1: nude podcast app
0: exactly there are better alternatives use those i did think it was i mean not funny but this is definitely apple's way of doing things that if you want to use one of these hardware security keys you have to get two because apple will not let you set it up with one because they're really afraid you're going to lose it or it's going to get broken, you're not going to be able to get into your account and you're going to bother them,
1: (laughs) which is probably right. I was going to say, none of that should matter except for the bother them. Yes. So I get
0: that. And they're like, well, no, you need to do this. so that." But it's like, you know, there are other two factor authentication things you could do. So I don't know exactly if this is necessary, but I kind of get the concept.
1: It's funny looking at the different approaches of a a large customer focused company like Apple is like, we're not going to let you do anything truly secure because you'll come and pester us about it. And then you go and look at the other side, which is, say, you know, a Bitcoin wallet saying, yeah, if you lose one of those 24 words, fuck you, all your money's gone forever.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Now, if you understand that, you then understand if you do tie any of your accounts you a hardware key and you understand that if somebody steals that your ex-wife breaks it in half whatever that you're never getting back into your account then maybe you'd want to buy a second one or something as a
1: yeah I, i it is prudent to want a second one yes
0: to back it up so i can't really complain
1: but but there are also going to be people who are like i don't need two because then i'd just be storing both of them in my safety deposit box right
0: But you have to have the one to actually log in, which is the beauty of the YubiKey is that you need it if you want to log in on a new device. It will store it on devices that you say is, you know, okay and safe. Although I would say never do that with an account you don't want people to get into because then all they have to do is get the laptop or whatever you've logged in as on. But our buddy Digi in the uh, troll room says proudly using apple tech products is the equivalent of being a douchebag driving a bmw <laughs> hey if somebody wanted to give me a bmw i would drive it they seem like nice cars
1: in, in, in my classic form of of describing memes because i'm not showing them which i know everybody loves when i do this
0: yes it's describes a meme there should be a theme song for this
1: and everything else i i saw one i really liked the other day which was a picture of a steering wheel and a dashboard with the BMW logo in the center of the steering wheel, and the caption is: "This weird green light came on. Should I take it to the service uh, center?" And the green light was one of the blinkers was uh, indicators was lit up. <laughs> I don't know how to drive. Now, as long as we are uh, bringing stuff from the troll room, uh, Digiguru also mentioned a little while ago. Uh, he says uh, the Wayback Machine is the Internet Archive. What's well, part of it?
0: Is that true? It is part of the Internet Archive, yes. Should, but it's not should I have been paying
1: more attention when I prepared this story? Probably. But hey, it's that a separate, sounds like work. It's effort. a separate
0: that, thing. But there are. I mean, there is the Internet Archive, who has a bunch of stuff, and then there is the Wayback Machine. So
1: they they are both. They're, they're different services from the same organization. Correct. Okay, well, douchebags, and thank you for for performing a valuable service. Yeah, at least they're trying. At least they're trying. But hey, I don't know. I it's th- it's got to be a really tough position to be in a position where like, oh, you're going to be blocked from the entire country unless you censor this one thing, and if your goal is as much access as you can possibly get, then right, you censor him. the one thing because that's you know better than everything being censored,
0: right? So it's know. not an easy position to be in.
1: It is also the top of a slippery slope, though, and I don't like it. Which is why
0: piracy rocks, because then you can get that documentary and nobody can stop it, because the fact that the uh, Pirate Bay is still around in 2023. Yeah. They
1: keep trying, though, that that one court order from a year ago that said, uh, uh, all ISPs in the in Europe must block the pirate bay and every IP that they ever set up on right. proactively uh-huh. and good luck the the people who got that judgment continue to be suing ISPs saying hey the pirate bay popped up on another IP and you didn't block it and therefore pay us money you're like but don't you understand going. how it works <laughs> still going still going uh, the, yeah genius to be able to get that judgment that says you can extract money from any ISP Anytime you want.
0: Hey, I would like that. I would take that. I would take a BMW. I took the Apple watch. And And then use the money to set up another pirate bay. Right. Mirror. Right. But the Apple watch was recommended by a cardiologist. So it's like, you know, these are, there are various ones out there. I know Garmin, Gene of, uh, you know, Sir Gene Speaks. He was talking about the fact that he finally has a Garmin one that does the, Interesting
1: you say that and not of Gene of Unrelenting.
0: Is I, it a different Gene or you're just not proud of that show? <laughs> I just, I don't want to admit. I keep okay. trying to trade him to other podcasts, but nobody's taking, you know, I've tried to get Carolyn Blaney. I've tried to get, Yeah, I mean, I would even take Cold Acid from uh, Rare Encounter if I could trade Gene over to uh, Abel Kirby, but nobody's taking him. I don't know why.
1: Well, I hear Nom the Millennial is, is uh, desperate to be on more shows. You might check with him.
0: He is. He had problems connecting. See, I think it was all just a big scam because he had problems connecting to the uh to the server yesterday. But then he did, and I felt bad that he didn't log in. So I sent him like thirty. I think it was thirty three thousand sat something like that, like seven bucks. I didn't listen to the show, but I sent him money, so I feel better. It's kind of like buying carbon credits.
1: I'm like, yeah, I- or or uh, uh, what? Buying indulgences from the church? Yes, kind of. That's kind of that which, by the way, is what carbon credits are
0: exactly it's like you know i don't really have time to listen to your show but i'll send you a little bit of money so you yeah, i can support your show and what you're doing and that's all cool but no it's the same gene that uh, had the garmin watch and it's like there's other companies that are now making devices like this and i don't know there's one thing as douchey as apple could be they do still have the and it may not be true but they have the reputation in the tech sphere of being better at protecting your data than most. None of them are great, but they're better than most at protecting your data and keeping it private.
1: Well, here's a hint if you want your data protected and kept private, there's only one way to do it. Don't give it to anybody storage. Yeah. Yeah, Never, never give it to anybody. Never allow it like shut, put it on a hard drive, shut off the machine and then bury the hard drive in a bunker somewhere that nobody knows about and has no access. Yes.
0: Exactly. And that makes it a lot harder to get that information to your cardiologist if you can't put it on the Internet.
1: Well, you're just going to have to give the cardiologist a compass and a map to your bunker, aren't yes,
0: you? Yes. Here's my GPS coordinates. Can you come uh, pull these things out? Because I will say for if you f- would just totally forget, and I know some people can't, but if you forget about the fact that all of this data could leak, the stuff that this little. Not not could, will. Yeah, True but what this little device can do is amazing i mean i'm coming from being somebody that has had heart arrhythmia issues since i was 7 years old this goes back to 1977 where the machines they would hook you up to when you went into the hospital were massive i mean the sh- the smallest thing looked like a walkman that literally recorded your heartbeat on a cassette tape which It was hilarious because then you had to take the cassette tape back to the hospital that had to be run into a machine. I'm guessing maybe real time for somebody to monitor it and see what the issue is. The fact that all this is built into a watch that will monitor things like your O2 level. And I've noticed there's some nights at the O2 level seems to go down. And I know I probably got sleep apnea, which means you're stopping breathing for a second. And then, you know, uh, you know, if you snore, that's probably the case but you can get all of this health data out of one little machine is pretty amazing. If you could forget about the fact that it might all leak, but then again, I don't know if I care
1: if it leaks. It, It will. In fact, and I would be absolutely thrilled with such a device. If I had the ability to limit where it sends the data, like put the raw data. I have a server here, put the raw data on a server that I control. And let me decide when and where that goes to anybody who isn't me. And then I'm all for it. Uh, my problem with it is not that it's collecting a lot of interesting data. I, I like data. I like analyzing yeah. data. I like I like running queries on databases for the purpose of trying to figure out who's screwing me. Which, by the way, the answer is everybody. Everybody, yes. <laughs> uh, but the fact that all of the devices, in fact, th- this is just the way things work on the Internet now. It, 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 with every IOT device, everything you wear on your wrist, everything you install by your front door is it collects a bunch of really cool data. And then with no other option instantly sends it to a third party who cannot be trusted, the raw data. And then if you ask nicely and don't get your account banned for some stupid reason, then they might be willing under certain circumstances to give you some of your data back, but only run through their AI interpretation algorithms because the raw data would be too much for your poor little brain to handle. And so they have to interpret the data for you and decide which parts are interesting and which parts are yours. And you don't get to collect that. And no, oh, by the way, they'll perform exactly the same service for the FBI if they come knocking. Yeah, that's the part I don't like about these devices. Not that they're collecting data. That, that they're collecting data, that they can collect this data, that this data exists and is available. Very cool that this data is being sent to Cupertino to live in a database that's being handed off to a bunch of people that I have no trust in. That's what bothers me about it. I believe, although
0: I could be wrong, and I needed to do a little more research on this, I believe the Apple Watch stores everything on the iPhone that you paired to it, and it doesn't necessarily go oh, yeah, to the cloud. yeah, because that's trustworthy, right? But it's more trustworthy than, or just as trustworthy as any phone with any data.
1: Okay, so that's
0: trustworthy, right? <laughs> Which again, maybe you don't turn on Wi-Fi and you don't turn on the cell, and uh, and and you cry, I, and you just you pair I, the two I, things up. And
1: I I know that we discussed this because I I did a a special on Grumpy Old Bens about it. Few months ago, I I recently switched to another phone, uh, another Samsung. And since then, at least once a week, I am going in and coming up with yet another way where I have to fight it exfiltrating my data automatically to some server somewhere because there's yet another service that I didn't know about and have to shut off and have to kill because I don't want my phone collecting information about me and automatically sending it to Google and Samsung. And that is a very difficult concept to understand. The the fact that I keep finding new services that are trying to spy on me and compromise my privacy. I I don't trust phones either. Yeah, it looks like let's collect this data and send them to my Debian server that I set up on my own, which would make sense. And they should offer something like
0: that. It does look like this. You choose whether you want to even back it up to the cloud, which makes sense. Keep it on the phone. Don't let it go anywhere else. But we know they can be hacked. And I would also not download any app that isn't a core app for the Apple device from anybody that's not Apple that wants the or uh, anybody that is. Yeah, well, it, app, they've already got it. So they don't <laughs> need, you know, that's the thing there. That's we've already made the trade off that we gave it to them. Yeah.
1: Well, but uh, mean, that that's almost a different thing entirely. But yes, the the advice of never install an app from anybody you don't trust and the corollary don't trust anybody who writes apps yes
0: yeah, so and this is twice as true don't install any apps on your fucking watch because you really don't it's bad enough i thought it was bad to get notifications on a phone sitting five ten feet away the watch buzzing on your wrist oh my god it's annoying
1: oh my wife has that she's got a i want to say it's a fitbit which yeah. is is one of the advanced fitbits that's just straight up a smartwatch She connects it to her phone, and whenever a text message or something comes in, she's like, "Oh, so and so says this," and I'm like, "I didn't even hear your phone saying no; it buzzed on my watch." I know, creepy.
0: Yes, it is. It's very creepy. I was watching one of the bandrew says episodes where he stopped wearing a smartwatch for a while. He said because he was genting, getting genting. Is that a word? I'm seeing every time I start talking about bandrew I say a word wrong. I don't know if I'm like it. it, It's how he starts off his shows. Yes. Uh, he was having phantom buzzing in the wrist where he used to, oh to wear the watch, and
1: I'm like, I could believe that. I mean, you know what that is that that is a a back channel that a lot, It's it's like a fast lane for that social media dopamine hit. Uh-huh. That you know, it's, we we have discussed at length how social media messes with your brain because of the constant instant feedback and a very little shot of dopamine every single time somebody thumbs up your social media post i mean i even get that but at least i have the ability to limit it to the web page which means that if i need to function or to focus on something and need it to stop making noise i close the tab
0: right <laughs> sir sean it, of the Allegheny valley says he's had that so it's a common thing i guess like phantom buzzing on your wrist i mean it must yeah. be great when you're not wearing the watch and you're like what oh wait no, I have enough trouble
1: with phantom buzzing in my browser tabs. Yes, I don't need it on my wrist. I don't need it. I do not need any phantom buzzing. If if I'm laying in bed and something is vibrating on my wrist, it sure as hell better be a cat or a sex toy or that.
0: You know, but or, but that, or, or ne- my wife if I need it. I was going to say never both at the same time the cat and the sex toy. But I I, I yeah. Uh, how do I, you back out it, of these things usually? <laughs>
1: Uh, we either go to a donation segment or we go into, I have a couple of follow-up stories about things we talked about before. Sure. What do we got? Well, uh, you remember we talked about lawyers being banned from Madison square garden. Yes. Facial recognition. Those bastards trying to go see the Rockettes with their kids. Yes. That, that horrible person, well, horrible person, maybe because it's a lawyer, but not for wanting to see a show. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, now, if you did this with a construction worker or an artist or a podcaster, that would probably be it. But what does a lawyer do when you do something clearly unethical and illegal? They sue to try to, to screw them. The answer with lawyers is always the same. They sue. Yes, they did. Uh, this actually came from The New York Times, who covers things in New York. Who knew? Um The Madison Square Garden, if you recall, banned people based on their employment and used facial recognition to enforce what they said was, your firm is suing our company for something else that was almost entirely unrelated. And therefore, Madison Square Garden swiped a bunch of photos from the law firm's websites to figure out who worked there, put those photos into facial recognition and started blocking them from entry into their venue when they wanted to watch a show which, by the way, is just about the most petty thing I have ever seen from a large corporation. And I have seen a lot of petty crap from large corporations.
0: Yes, and it does answer it's, one of the questions we had, which is they're scraping the law firm database from their website to get the photos.
1: Yes, we we weren't sure about that. The New York Times seems to be pretty sure that that's what happened. Uh, so all anyway, of your lawyers
0: three- should be wearing Groucho glasses and photos <laughs> online.
1: Three such firms sued in the Manhattan State Supreme Court and got preliminary injunctions under anti-discrimination law, which prohibits, quote, wrongful refusal of admission to places of public entertainment or amusement. In other words, Madison Square Garden was, in fact, on the wrong side of the law on this one. They are allowed to, to refuse to sell tickets to the lawyers. But they cannot refuse entry to anybody who has a valid ticket because it is a place of public entertainment under the law. These lawyers knew the law. These lawyers came back and said, screw you. We're lawyers. We're not somebody who's helpless and decided to slap them upside the face with the law. And so if you are a lawyer from one of these three firms, at least they won't still won't sell you a ticket. But if you get somebody else to buy your ticket and you walk in, you now have the ability to walk in and watch the Rockettes if they decide to show up again.
0: America, baby. <laughs> that's yeah, Well, you knew that was going to happen.
1: Yeah, you did. They, they're lawyers. Of course, they're going to sue.
0: Their lawyers are like, oh, we we got some time. Let's put out. Let's file. That'd be fun.
1: Oh, it's like we've got a lot of time that we're not watching shows.
0: <laughs> yes, and we want to watch shows and that's not right. I mean, that's just douchey anyway.
1: My other follow-up was on the chat GPT and academics. Uh, now that uh, now that finals are done for the winter semester or the fall semester, um, this came from the Stanford Daily. So it, it concern, concerns Stanford, uh, where they conducted an anonymous poll about ChatGPT and got uh, almost 4,500 respondents, quite a lot, actually, because it's anonymous. Uh, 17% of them reported using ChatGPT for homework or exams. So what's 17% of 4,500? That's going to be what? Uh, 30, uh, 350. Uh, something. Uh, no, more than that. Like mm-hmm. I, almost a thousand. It's quite a lot. Anyway, a lot of people on this poll reported using chat GPT for homeworks or exams, including several, uh, who admitted to using it on their final exams from this last month. Huh? Um, uh, most of them of the people who admitted to using ChatGPT said they use it only for brainstorming and outlining and do not. But right. 5% of the people who admitted to using ChatGPT, uh, said that they also admitted to submitting text from ChatGPT with little or no edits, which is about 50 people, if my calculations are correct, admitted to submitting essays from ChatGPT to their professors and trying to get credit for it anonymous poll okay
0: (laughs) well it's very interesting it is because i was looking the other day i was curious at how many of these things exist now and a lot of them seem to be using chat gpt directly and just getting a little better results but there are now a bunch of writing aids that will use AI and try to fill in the blanks and try to continue a story depending on what you give it. So you give it one paragraph, it'll write the next one and it's very interesting stuff, but it's still not quite ready for prime time, but it's getting there. And I can see where when you're dealing with things that are fact-based way easier to get information. Now you still better uh, fact check that it's correct. But I can <laughs> see, you know, since when is that important? Right. This is true. <laughs>
1: if you're cheating, you might not have the time to fact check, I guess. And honestly, I mean, this it, academic standards are so low. Do you think correct is really something these professors even look for anymore? It's a like, pe- well, yeah, that's true. Hey, we don't care if it's accurate. We just care if they use the right pronouns.
0: Yes. If they use the right pronoun, you have to have the right gist to it. That's all. You don't have to have details.
1: Well, it, chat it, it, GPT it, is going to get better because Microsoft is investing yet another billion in open AI to ju- develop ChatGPT solutions. They also mentioned that ChatGPT solutions will be available as a Microsoft cloud service on Azure soon. Now, of course, but this uh, also leads
0: right down that pathway of, well, whatever it said, how much, uh, you know, um, 90% of online content could be generated by AI by 2025. The more you read this kind of stuff, the more you believe it because bloggers are going to go, eh, do I really want to write an article? I'll just go into ChatGPT and go, like, give it the topic, and then it'll just write it for me. What's the new way to do it? No work. Is it cheating? Are you muted? He is muted. His head has not disappeared. He is only muted. Nobody worry about what's going on here. Still muted. still muted i wonder if you had to make a bemrose run would have been a very bad time to do it we're having an interactive segment of here this grumpy old ben's podcast but we won't tell anybody 90 percent of online content generated by ai nobody really has to do work we don't even have to do podcasts because once we can generate the text we can do text to speech nobody will know all the new podcasts will be. Oh, and I'm sorry. See, now I see in the back room. He said he was stepping away. I don't look at this when I'm on a rant and on a rage.
1: You need a multitask better. I know I need a well. See, now, if you were here to be fair, Are you you trying to embarrass me on air again. Or, see, it, leave that up to me.
0: I think I immediately asked you a question as you left. Now, if, oh. you would, if, if you would have texted me on my
1: Apple watch that I would have seen. Then, then Yeah. Then your wrist would have <laughs> vibrated all creepily. Yes. And then you'd stop the show for the purpose of looking
0: at your wrist. Yeah, the, What's this? Why is somebody yeah. texting me?
1: Oh, and then you would have tried to make it, it some kind of show content and asked me about that and I wouldn't be here. But
0: it is show content. That's the beauty of the whole thing. We need to <laughs> we need to fit in a break. That's it. We need to, uh, we,
1: we need we, like a. Well, uh, normally we do. It's called the donation break where you, you're the only one with a spreadsheet, so I can step away. But unfortunately, that six pack of beer that I had this morning wanted out.
0: You only had six? Wow. Well, you must be cutting yeah, down on I'm trying to cut back. <laughs> cutting back. January 2023. He's cutting back on the beer, beer, beer. We are certainly, I sure as hell wouldn't want to
1: talk to you sober.
0: Exactly. That would never work. You never talk to a troll sober. But we do have two whole people to thank for today's show and whatever uh, maybe oh, came I was in. still
1: believe it or not. I still had more on the chat GPT thing. But, but what do you got then? What is it? Oh, all, uh just just uh, I, I had some some feedback from professors oh, with, really? uh, to this poll. Like they are they do the professors think they're
0: so smart that they'll be able to catch this well, if it comes across their desk. Well, the
1: the Stanford Daily pulled some some fun quotes out of the professor's slack. Uh, is is it, is it Slack room or Slack? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't I've never used Slack. I I, I haven't either. I, my understanding is it's like IRC, but, uh, but Whoa. proprietary and centralized to one company. But anyway, um, they said it's like robbing a bank and caring so little about being caught that you try to take a selfie with the security camera on the way out, submitting <laughs> chat GPT <laughs> which I liked the metaphor. Is that true though? I mean, they, they're, they're kind of pretending like they'll know
0: and they'll catch and uh, that'll you know they would well, never be fooled by such content.
1: What, one professor in the Slack said, "This is why for these for the this week's final or this semester's finals they went back to pencil and paper exams." Well, see that would make sense because then it you does can't. make sense. Except for here is the thing: I would never want to grade those papers because you know, having been raised in a world where keyboards are everywhere. And, you know, th- these people, your generation, or my, our generation, because I'm, I'm not that much younger than you. We actually had to take penmanship courses in grade school. Yes. We then, had to learn how to write. Yeah. Um. T- today's people, if you hand them a pencil, uh, might not know how to cause it to make symbols. Like this is not a skill that has ever been trained in a people. Now you ask them, To use one thumb to enter into a tiny, you know, one and a half inch by two inch keyboard, they can go at sixty words a minute, right? But asking them to put marks on paper with a pencil, uh huh, they're not so good at it. I don't think this is going to work out well. You are not going to get legible essays. When I was in college,
0: we did have blue book exams, which means you showed up and you wrote longhand, yeah, in the classroom. Now, you could still do this, but you would have to make sure you had a classroom, which I don't know how hard that would be, that would not allow for Wi-Fi or cell access because you could still use your laptop. It's just you can't use chat GPT without having internet.
1: And if OK, the the complication of this, what I'm about to suggest is. It's a little complicated because it's technically illegal. What you do is you put a cell jammer in the classroom and have it active during that. Yes. And Wi-Fi and and that way. Yeah. And and if you just jam all wireless signals, then the only people who are going to get a signal are the ones who run an Ethernet cord. And those you'd be able to see, I would hope. Or at least trip over. (laughs) Yes. Like, what's this thing coming out of the ceiling? Huh? Now, now it is illegal to run a Wi-Fi or a a cell jammer. Is it? Even in an area you control, you can't do that? I believe it's illegal. Oh, and uh, I, I've got uh, an important breaking news. Cold Acid is playing the Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Again? It's what he does. Wow. He should be listening it's, to this show. I think he th- he definitely thinks that Cyrodiil is more interesting than our show. He's not necessarily wrong. So
0: It's way more um, there, interesting than his show.
1: There were a bunch of other quotes from the professor Slack. I'll I'll skip it. But none of them hit on the idea that maybe we should change what we're testing and instead of it, uh, academia is stuck in the 150 year old Prussian model of all we should do is test knowledge and recall of information. And that is so easy to defeat by any online tools anymore. It has been for, for 30 years, people have been able to go out and do a web survey in 20 years. whatever, however long it's been How long, how old is the internet? Whatever. Ask Al Gore. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> uh, People have been able to look stuff up and it's been a fight ever since then to try to tell people, no, you have to recall this out of your brain and not out of the Internet. But that's not how it works in the real world. In the real world, when you need information, it's available in your pocket on your device or at your fingertips in a browser, wherever people shouldn't have to memorize things. That should not be a criteria. They should be testing, thinking and doing, which is my point. Yes. Nothing in the professor slack even remotely hit on that idea that I could tell. Well, they're too stuck in that model. (laughs) There was. There was uh, at least one professor who said uh, that uh, students should be ashamed of themselves because this is a violation of the academic honor code.
0: Oh, yeah, the ethics code.
1: To which I say, we're not teaching students ethics or honor anymore. Why would you think they would follow them? We're teaching students leftist values like the ends justify the means, which is the opposite of a code. Yes which is do whatever you have to do to pass. Exactly. We're teaching people that we're, that is in fact, when, when you make your classes all about activists and say, you, you know, you need to do anything that is, you can possibly do as long as it fits your ends. Well, if your ends are past the course, we've just created the incentive structure and given them the tools. And now we're complaining that they're using it. We're not teaching people's honor. No, nobody, nobody has honor in, in the academia. Well, I'm sure there are some people, but they keep their heads down and they don't make themselves notice because they'll get canceled.
0: Well, in any professor, teacher worth their salt, sitting down with a student for five or 10 minutes and just act, asking questions about the uh, topics and what they're covering, will get a pretty good handle on how much they understand and how much they've grasped. You know, and that's I think oral stuff coming back is also going to.
1: Uh, I think, think oral exams would be a great option yeah so what are you gonna do you get somebody staring down at their wrist yes reading? yes <laughs> wow your voice sounds a lot like siri huh
0: that's interesting yeah. <laughs> can you can you uh, right you're just lip-syncing what the watch is saying
1: yeah it, it, again another lost skill not something you know putting people on the spot for public speaking i mean that is bullying you are bullying the kids by asking them to speak publicly because they might be uncomfortable with that. Yeah. Again, not something academia could do. I don't know. Personally, I applaud the trend of people cheating using chat GPT because maybe this will be the thing that finally starts to shake the foundations of the academia bureaucracy that is totally obsolete. Trade schools are better. Don't send your kids to college. You're just going to warp their mind and waste a lot of money
0: doing it. Yeah, it's like, what are you really learning? That's the question.
1: Now you're, you're learning how to be an activist. But sooner or later
0: a chat GPT bot in a physical form will be your electrician, your plumber and everything else. So just wait for that.
1: I I'm okay with it. We're we're kind of there with YouTube videos. When I when I sure. need to do household plumbing, I well, okay, plumbing's a bad example, but if I need to do something household that isn't actually going to destroy my own ho- whole house if I screw it up, then I don't call an electrician to do my plumbing i go look at a youtube video.
0: <laughs> why would you call I, an electrician I up that to metaphor do your plumbing? But it worked i'm like this is maybe your problem <laughs> you're like um i need a new shower put in uh, i'm an electrician sir yeah i need a new shower put in
1: yeah, if you want a shower that murders people yes,
0: maybe you're right and you may it's like this is the guest shower i don't like my guests so hey you you can figure
1: your house the way you want it and i'll do mine <laughs> that would be kind of fun if I want a death trap shower that electrocutes everyone who gets in it, I mean that Why is you can a, have your jacuzzi.
0: Right. Why is there a big rubber mat surrounding this? Nothing. No, <laughs> nothing at all. Don't pay any attention to that. Hey, we have to go with the times. They always say that. We're old folk and we can learn new tricks, but I'm not sure that uh the new tricks are all that exciting. The kids are dumb. <laughs> That's is, right. Is it a new trick or an old trick to call an electrician into your plumbing? Maybe it all depends on how good he is at the plumbing aspect of it.
1: Actually, I bet there's a lot of electricians out there who are also very good at plumbing. But the problem, of course, is that it's hard to maintain a license from the government to do both. So yes. you never get like the the age of the handyman died because of licenses.
0: Oh, yeah. And well, and half the people then that were men wanted to charge way too much because they thought, they should be getting paid what the because license. they were
1: very because they're rare uh-huh. <laughs> and because
0: licenses are expensive and because they know what they're doing and nobody else does. See, if you have the knowledge nobody
1: else does, then you've that's, got
0: something. And that's what this is changing. Allegedly. That's a
1: marketable skill. If you have knowledge nobody else does, that's a marketable skill. And what you what you're participating in is something we like to call capitalism.
0: And there's so many people now, though, that are putting that information up online. I mean, you look at a guy like Adam Curry, he takes everything he learns and how he's making his living, and he's more than happy to explain it to everybody he runs into. You know, here's how you do this. Here's how you do this. Which is really annoying some people on the sidewalk these days. I know. They're like, but I just wanted to buy grapes. (laughs) Let me tell you about value for value. I just want some grapes. But it's good to impart the knowledge on people and let them learn. And the internet is good for that, even well, though all your data will leak out.
1: It, the internet is causing teaching to become a lost art. Well, it
0: is because do you really need professors at this point when people Did we just ever sit really
1: and- need professors back in the day?
0: Maybe a hundred years ago.
1: Well, we- what we needed was masters to go with an apprenticeship because that's that's the way that most people learn yes. is by being shown away and then doing it themselves, which the master apprentice model has always been great at. And then somebody came up with the idea of professors like, let's see if one master can teach 30 people at the same time without any doing and just talk at them. And if they can stay awake and then later we can force them to recall the knowledge out of their brains, even though there's an Internet available. There was 100 years ago. They just don't talk about it. And I. Yeah, again, I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but don't forget about
0: overcharging people. You have looked at college is charged now, I tell you. I mean, hell, well, we're not pulling college in enough is donations overcharged.
1: to go to college. College is overcharging is a direct result of the fact that it's the government paying for almost everything. The people who are making the decision to go to college are not usually the ones bearing the cost, especially when you incur $500,000 in, well, depending on your college, $100,000 in student debt. And then, you know, a politician comes by and says, actually, we're just going to cancel that. You don't know that money at all. Then where is the incentive not to jack up the costs? True. uh, That totally different rant. You know what? Have we got any donations? I I need to get off this college thing. We do have two major donations
0: and then some boosts. But coming in, Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley with his monthly $25 donation. He was in the troll room just a moment ago saying he's running out of. Is value for value fund, because there are so many damn good podcasts. Well, if if you happen to be uh, giving to podcasts like, uh, you know, Rare Encounter, Sir uh, Sean, there's a lot of ones you could probably cut out. Maybe, you know, bring down a little bit that
1: uh, I, I heard that that host of unrelenting one doesn't want any donations. To
0: Sir Sean to doesn't give to unrelenting. He is oh. smart enough to know. Do well, not do not give to the Russian apologist.
1: It, it turns out that most people follow Gene's advice.
0: Yes. Well, and to be fair, the way the uh, this donation goes from Sir Sean, it came in originally for Grumpy Old Ben's way back. And then Grumpy Old Ben's turned into unrelenting and he kept giving. But it always said for Grumpy Old Ben's. So I made the choice. I made the executive decision. I went, Ryan or Gene, Ryan or Gene, who am I going to split this with? And you won so uh, that's kind I feel of so honored that's kind of how this would work and it says grumpy old ben so it is and it works he just wait sir sean says i love the russian apologist no that can't be true he, he's run out of time to listen if you listen to gene at 14 times speed that'll work and look at cold acid go in and out of the troll room as fast as his connection will disconnect
1: and in and out of his game not that i'm reporting on that anymore
0: right yeah uh, coming in so thank you Someday,
1: if I keep this up, he'll realize that his Steam settings are leaking a lot of data about him.
0: <laughs> do we even want to know? Do you have do you have access to the camera and uh, and all the microphones too?
1: No, all I have is the Steam client running because you're not capable of it, you're not capable of running a game on Steam without running their incredibly invasive storefront app in the background. So that
0: you will do. You won't take an iPhone with
1: an app, but you'll
0: run Steam. What does that say?
1: Uh, it says that I know how to set a firewall on my PC so that steam can't send data about me, but you're getting it about, but cold it's still acid. receiving That's data. That's good. And I like that. I, so I, you know, either that or the other thing cold acid is going to do is unfriend me on yes. steam so that I stop getting <laughs> these notifications. He may unfriend you in every, every platform possible to be honest. Uh, I mean, I, I get that a lot.
0: Yes. Uh, Anastasia Treckle's coming in with her monthly $10 and 10 cents. And that is appreciated. Then we did have a couple of boostograms come in. One from the NA Millennial with eleven thousand one one one. Here's some text based porn for Bemrose and his four terabyte lifetime supply of storage. And then it is the <laughs> uh, it is the parentheses and periods. So it's it's the text version of boobs that does take up way less than a, a GIF or a, a JPEG or a uh, a video. Yes. We appreciate that. And a millennial, he does that show, you know, that MMO show, which is like massive mammaries online or something. I always forget. Well, that's something like that. You'll wait, just- wait,
1: really? Because I,
0: <laughs> I suddenly want to pay more attention to that. Is it video? Yes. You've suddenly become a fan. So check out the yeah. MMO podcast. I was never interested until you said that. See, I'm bringing you in new blood. So remember that. Give me a cut, whatever it comes in from your subscriptions now. <laughs> Uh, net net coming in with 8888 sat saying install my app from the iTunes store, the electroshock therapy and heart monitor approved by Bill Gates and Anthony Fauci. They may have that net You may be in a uh, breach of some kind of copyright, but uh, we appreciate your support. We appreciate everybody's support for this little podcast that happens once a week on Wednesday, except not next week because I'll be at the end whatever they do.
1: Yeah. I, I wanted to talk to you about this. What, What is with you constantly prioritizing your own personal health over this show?
0: I know. I do it with all the shows, though, if you've noticed at one point or another. No, you
1: seem to only go to the endodontist
0: during my show. Well, this is the first time I've been to the endodontist. Exactly. (laughs) And you only do it during this show. This is true. Uh, But I've done other things during Planet Rage and uh, Unrelenting. So I try to spread them out.
1: It feels like you're just not that committed to podcasting.
0: Maybe not. I need to take like a month or two off.
1: You know, if you want to show your commitment to podcasting, what you need to do is open up and start up three or four more shows.
0: There's That could be a possibility. It, it, is there still in the works, the plan for the show with Dame Jennifer? I believe so. But she is one of those folks that seems to like want to plan everything out and that will always oh, get God. in the way.
1: I know. Yeah. yeah. We we never would have got off the, uh, off the rails, rails. Too
0: ground. much planning will definitely get in the way of podcasting.
1: Fortunately, we don't do any at all.
0: Right. And that is what makes the magic happen, which is why when we do the shows live, people show up in the troll room at trollroom.io right now, 89 people listening, which uh, isn't quite no agenda, but it's better than most. Tell a friend that we're here on this particular day and this particular time, Wednesday afternoon, 1 p.m. Central.
1: Is is now the time that I should be jealous that, that there were 91 listening to Planet Rage?
0: Maybe. And this is the time where most people, we have to warn them if they accidentally stay on the stream. After we go off, eventually they'll hear cold acid. We have to warn people. But I'd say 89, 91, that's pretty much within the margin of error. Both uh-huh. of those need to be about 10 Either times Either that higher. or there's,
1: there's two people out there who think Larry is worth listening to and I'm not. And just, just my only it. response to that is only two? Yeah, there's got to be more. Well, you're one of them. So, I mean, let's
0: also be honest yeah. about that. So that brings it and, down to a difference of
1: one. And let's be fair. I was listening to the stream yes. when you were going with Larry on Monday. See? And I'm not, I don't have the stream up right now. So a difference of one person. There's one person. out. It's probably Gene. That's like, I'm
0: tired of this Bemrose guy. Not going to listen to this Bemrose guy. He doesn't listen to well, me. He, he
1: was tired of the Bemrose guy a long time ago. He's not Although listening. every, you know, Gene is, is a big stats person. And uh, every time he posts stats, the, the episode that he did with me is always in his top five. Which I can see. I mean, he wanted me to listen to
0: one of his most recent episodes that he talked to the Gen Z-er, and I went and looked and it was three and a half hours long. And I'm like, Oh hell no. <laughs> I made it one hour at like one and a half times speed. And I was just like, I can't do anymore.
1: Yeah. Too- I think I was, I think I, one of the shows I've, I've been on Sergene's show twice. And I think one of them ended up going almost five hours. Yeah. It's too long. <laughs> way too long
0: unless people are donating by like the thousands then i'd be like i'll just keep
1: going so i guess i guess what he's actually doing is he's not going by total downloads he's just going by total amount of data he's going by total time (laughs) so if one person listens he gets
0: hours and hours and hours it's one of those things, like if you were on YouTube and people are giving you the uh, super chats and they just keep sending them in, then you just keep doing the video. It goes on and on and on. But if people stop donating, if people stop listening, if people stop interacting, then there's really no point. You got to well, go, go with your Gene. strength. <laughs> yeah, it's Gene. So, I mean, there is that. But if you like hearing Gene, then you tune in on Friday mornings for unrelenting and if you like Larry, and who doesn't, then it's Monday with Planet Rage. That's at 1 o'clock. Wednesday at 1 o'clock, Grumpy Old Benz. It is Friday at uh, 10 a.m. Central for Unrelenting. Then there's the two rock and roll pre-shows before no agenda on Thursday and Sunday. And then don't forget, Random Thoughts. I don't do it live, but it comes out pretty much every Wednesday, sometimes Tuesday. Well, you'll get everything you need to know right there a great thing and then i was looking at uh, angry tech news it's been it's been a few uh weeks now
1: yeah it's been a while in fact what i should probably do is just announce uh that i obviously too late for this week but starting next week uh i am going to go ahead and do angry tech news live Ooh. on tuesdays nice at 11 a.m jcd so the same time as grumpy old ben's the same time as no agenda i'm going to do it on tuesdays At that time, nobody else is. I'm going to do it on the no agenda stream. and The reason I say that is because the only reason why I get up and force myself to make time to do my research and write up my notes for this show is because we do it live and people would otherwise give me crap about it. Right. They'd be like,
0: where are you? Why aren't you doing a show? You're taking a week off. Oh my
1: God. I am capable of doing the same thing. With angry tech news, because uh, going from notes, I'm not necessarily going to script out everything anymore. But the last time I did it, I did the, you know, I tried an experiment where I did half the stories scripted and half the stories off the top of my head, just stumbling around and ums and us and, you know, and all the things that everybody says as, as filler words. Right. And nobody seemed to care. So I'm just going to go with the the all filler words. It makes the show way longer. And I keep getting complaints about people going, well, how come you got to all the tech stories in only 12 minutes? I'm like, well, because I was succinct. Yes. And nobody seems to appreciate that. So screw you. I'm going to now do the same number of stories in a half hour. See if how you like that. Well, you do realize
0: next week you can actually have Wednesday at this time for Angry Tech News.
1: Uh, Yeah, but I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, I can get on with or gene or somebody oh well that would be good too wait i'm not but hey if you just said if he's listening
0: right now gene will be texting like
1: oh yeah i'll do that with ben Rose. yeah let's do May- it maybe if cold acid can tear himself away from the video gaming then then he can be the guest on grumpy old ben i don't know That'd who wants nice. to guest Grump- on grumpy old ben's with me yeah next week reach out
0: now taking applications hit him up hit him up on uh the uh no agenda social or the troll room that way,
1: certainly, <laughs> Mofo su- 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 uh, summarized it. Monday is rage. Tuesday is angry. Wednesday is grumpy. Thursday is what? Is then that, that sounds like a it, it's improving throughout the week. Yeah, rage and then angry and then grumpy. It's like by Friday you're smiling again.
0: Uh huh. Wait, no, but that's what Jean's on.
1: <laughs> so that's all fucked no, up. No, because at this time of day it's podcasting
0: 2.0. Ah, that's true. That is true. There's always something fun going on on the mighty Noah Jenna stream. You should check it out. Do we got anything else? So I got to shovel some snow, which has been the, something oh. I haven't had to do this whole year so far or this uh, whole yeah, season, I, I should have, say
1: at, at the risk of talking about weather, which I is probably the segment that I get the most crap for from. Oh, so well, let's do that more. So let's do that more. Um, we have not had, well, what we've had is January weather here after, after December, which we had a couple of uncharacteristic snowstorms. Oh, yeah. You got dumped really up. cold weather. We got, we got some real crap weather, but then it dropped into what I will say for the Pacific Northwest is straight up normal January, which is a few days of mid thirties Fahrenheit and cloudy, dreary, pretty cold, but not always freezing, You freezing overnight. And then a few days of mid forties Fahrenheit and raining like a mofo. That's not bad. That's basically winter weather around here is. It rains a lot, and when it's not raining, it's a little colder. Okay, you know what? Nothing to write home about. I guess what I'm saying is right now it is drizzling a little bit. Temperature is upper 30s. I don't have any snow to shovel. You win. It is
0: 34 no, degrees here, and it uh, looks I like the go, snow finally stopped. I could go outside. I'd just get rained on.
1: Yeah, There are worse things. You could be I, dead. Yeah, but, but, but I'd you, also be outside and we don't like that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. And if you drop dead, they won't have anywhere to put you in the morgue.
1: There is that. So I'd better be careful. Uh, the only other thing I had was from bleeping computer. Ransomware payments are down 40%. I know why. Oh, people just stop paying. That's the reason.
0: <laughs> so I mean somebody's finally cause figured they, out if you have a backup of your data, you don't have to pay these bricks.
1: Actually, bleeping computer gave three reasons why it's down but one is, or why people aren't paying. One is they're finally starting to back their shit up, and and congratulations for taking years to finally start figuring that out in mass. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Another is uh, the harm being done, like if if you are ransing the the threat of ransomware uh, originally started out as we're going to encrypt all your files, but backing up kind of fixes that. Um, The other threats are a DDoS or threats to leak data or make public a previous breach. And it turns out people are really becoming desensitized to data breaches. Oh yeah. We don't even report data breaches that often anymore because they're just happening all the time. Right. We always, like you said, you assume anything
0: that's on your phone is going to get hacked and leaked. Same thing with any data that's online.
1: And the third reason that bleeping computer gives is that, People are starting to realize that paying up does not necessarily mean that the ransomers are going to unencrypt your files or delete this, the data they've stolen. Wait. In fact, if you pay, it's not a ransom scenario, especially if you've got had data breached. It's a blackmail scenario. And you with a blackmailer, you pay once. And the only thing you know is that, you know, they've learned you're going to pay and you're going to pay again and again and again until eventually it happens anyway.
0: That people have finally realized that criminals aren't
1: honest. Yeah. Enough people are starting to realize that in 2020, there were, uh, I don't remember, according to blockchain analysis, I didn't catch which firm did this analysis, but it's on the blockchain. You can do your own analysis. I'm sure as hell not going to. Um, There was 765 million paid out, To ransomware in 2020, according to this analysis, however accurate that is, which is, by the way, a six times increase over 2019 Um, 2021. That number went up from seven hundred sixty five million to would you guess a billion? No, seven hundred sixty six million. Oh, that's not a big jump. So basically the same. And in 2022, that number is four hundred fifty seven million, which is down 40 percent. Well the economy's bad. We don't have that kind of money. Like that might be it. People are starting to finally go, you know, we can't afford to just pay this. Maybe we should look into backing up data or we're just calling their bluff. Uh-huh. When somebody
0: comes up and like, "Hey, can I hold a dollar for you?" You're like, "No." <laughs> no, you cannot. I don't
1: have it. Can I hold one? I need one. If I can borrow it from you first. So, uh there is a an, a cyber intelligence firm Coveware which might be where this came from. Um who also determined and i have no idea where they get this data from but they decided and i'm just going to quote them in 2019 76 percent of ransomware victims paid out damn in 2022 41 paid out that's a high number originally 76 is a lot of people paying because they just weren't ready they weren't prepared their dudes named ben were sleeping on the job or something take backups people what the hell yes but in 2022 was the first year where fewer than half of all people who got hit by ransomware paid out. So the business
0: model is closing although we've said that about spam emails since like 1989 it seems
1: I, I, in, in 1996 I said that about online ads right the business model <laughs> is going to collapse. Yes we're still waiting. It's it's still happening. It's just going in slow mo. Uh huh.
0: It's making a few more dollars than we had predicted.
1: So, congratulations, dudes named Ben. You're finally starting to feel or figure out that there are ransomware people out there who want to screw over your data and may be thinking of defending against it. So, nice work.
0: Backup, backup, backup. Have more and, than four. And terabytes. Have a backup
1: to the backup and a backup to the backup to the backup.
0: Yes. Have backups off site that would also help. And if you want more advice like that, come back next week. Well, no, actually, not next week. Maybe don't store all your data on your watch. Well, no, unless you can be fairly sure nobody's going to get it. But we'll be back sometime soon for another Grumpy Old Benz, and we hope that you are here when we do. With that said, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I really hate entodontists, I'm thinking.
1: (laughs) And from America's left coast, where I'm not interesting enough to make my data worth stealing, I'm Ryan (laughs) Bimrose. I am interested in stealing your data, though.
0: It is good stuff.